Hello and welcome to Author Conversations, brought to you again this week by Arcadia Publishing and the History Press. I'm Jonathan Foster, and this week we are back in Georgia and in the Civil War. And we all know about General Sherman and the Battle of Atlanta and then the March to the Sea, but what about the time period during the march? Well, this week, let's look at the Civil War in Macon, not just during the time of Sherman's march, but around the time of the war and during. Macon was a cornerstone of the Confederacy's military-industrial complex. As a transportation hub, the city supplied weapons to the Confederacy, making it a target once the Union pushed into Georgia in 1864. In the course of the war's last year, Macon faced three separate cavalry assaults. The battles were small in the grand scheme, but salient for the combatants and townspeople. Once the war concluded, it was from Macon that Calvary struck out to capture the fugitive Jefferson Davis, allowing the city to witness one of the last chapters of the conflict. Author Niels Eichhorn brings together the first comprehensive analysis of the military engagements and battles in Middle Georgia. Niels is an assistant professor of history at Middle Georgia State University. He holds a PhD in history from the University of Arkansas. He is the author of two recent books, Liberty and Slavery, European Separatists, Southern Secession and the American Civil War from LSU Press, and Atlantic History in the 19th Century, Migration, Trade, Conflict, and Ideas from Palgrave. He has published a series of articles and blog posts on Civil War history and is now working on a diplomatic history of the Civil War era. Nils, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Of course. Well, Nils, me being born in Griffin, I know that the American Civil War affected more than just Atlanta. But when I speak with people on historical tours I've given here in Charleston or have conducted in the past or in conversation with most folks, it seems that they think that the campaign in the state of Georgia was just to get from maybe Chattanooga to Atlanta. Then after the city fell, it was just an easy march to the sea over nothing but farmland. But we know that there was other towns and cities in the state. Atlanta and Savannah were not the only modern city in Sherman's crosshairs. Can you tell us a bit about Macon and what it was like before the war? Sure, that's a great question, actually. And and you're very much right that the the state of Georgia is more than Atlanta and Savannah during the Civil War. And one of the um, important aspects, and I'm kind of borrowing from the uh, National Park Service historian Jim Ogden here a little bit, is that when you look at central Georgia, middle Georgia, you're looking at a massive, what he called military industrial complex, where from Augusta through Macon all the way to Columbus, Atlanta included, you had all these industrial facilities. Um, in Macon specifically, we have the specifically the Finley Ironworks, which we're, we're looking at production of boilers, steam engines, we're looking at um, railroad materials that is being produced, but also materials that is useful for um, cotton gins. So in part, we're looking at a industrializing society in Macon, but also a society that in its surroundings is very much still deeply ingrained in the plantation economy. And the two of somewhat coexist here at the time of uh, in the antebellum years. <clears throat> and that is sort of the difficulty to kind of grapple with when it comes to Macon in the lead up to the Civil War. But I think in general, the parts of the South, that we aren't just looking at an agricultural society. We're looking at a society that 
on its own terms would be about the fifth or sixth largest industrialized country in the world independently. And that will try throughout the war to use that industrial capacity that it has available, be that the Confederate arsenal, armory, laboratory in town eventually, to use that capacity to conduct the war. So in that regard, Macon's um, industrial base will be crucial in the future. Um, being at the fall line of the river, you also have the, no, the um, situation that steamships coming up the Ogmolly River from the Atlantic will come here, load up on cotton, take it down to the coast, and then it gets exported out. Um, and thus, it 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 is sort of this um, transportation hub that you're also looking at. It's not just an industrial, it's also a transportation hub. And the arrival of the Central of Georgia Railroad eventually, and then branching out towards Atlanta with the Western, you get towards uh, Columbus railroads being built. Um, that certainly adds to that transportation hub and the ability for industrialists and agriculturalists in the city and its surroundings to export their their commodities um, to a larger international national market. It's insane to think about how big, because that's one of the reasons they say you know the South lost the war, and yet there wasn't as much industry in the South as in the North because it's still an agrarian society very much. So, but there was industry there. I mean, you can still go to Augusta and mm-hmm. see if their foundry works. You can you can still see the um, the smokestacks. Yeah, um, where, where that was. So that was very much the case in the South. And you brought up Columbus too. Columbus, um, very much, uh, yes. an industrial city. So. Let's get to the time of the Siege of Atlanta because, again, in talking with people throughout life, my life, who do not pay attention to history or they try to or, they, or they've or been misinformed, they think the focus of the Union Army um, was on Atlanta. And while, yeah, that was the prize, the Federals are also going out to the east to cut supplies and far to the west and cutting around Atlanta to the south. Uh, their battles in Jonesboro, which is the south of Atlanta, and skirmishes down near Hampton, Georgia, too. Um, Fitzpatrick, I believe, in uh, near Hampton. Uh, they preserved a small skirmish uh, battlefield mm-hmm. down there, too. Um, before I moved away, I remember that had they had done a great job with that field. Macon also gets threatened at this point before Atlanta's captured. Does it not? Yeah. It's um, General um, Stoneman, George Stoneman of... Um, he is with the Army of the Ohio. So Sherman brings three armies with him on the Atlanta campaign, the Army of the Cumberland, Tennessee, and of the Ohio. And Stoneman is in command of the cavalry detachment with the Army of the Ohio. And he suggests the notion that let me strike south, cut the railroad lines, get to Macon. And in part, he is interested in Macon because of its uh, the industrial capacities there, but he's also looking at um, Cape Camp Oglethorpe, which holds prisoners of war, and then Camp um, Sumter, which is Andersonville Prison, more commonly known as Camp Andersonville Prison. And he's kind of hoping that liberating those two prisons, he can kind of also cause some um, problems in the behind the lines for the Confederates. So Stoneman is setting out here just like a lot of other cavalry detachments that you mentioned trying to break supply lines, kind of create havoc, force the Confederate forces to re 
adjust their um, defenses. And Stoneman, unfortunately, though, the kind of joke line that you always have with his raid is that he becomes the prisoner in the prison that he tries to liberate. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but the thing is, from the start, from what I've seen, is that his his raid is off to a bad start. He's he's misinformed about bridges over the Okmulgee River that aren't there or are burned. Um, he's striking south, trying to kind of find um, the enemy, kind of get to Macon in some form. And as he's as he's drawing closer, you really kind of start to see the breakdown in command. Like one of the brigades that he brings with him disappears on him. Like they're they're the battle starts on July 30th, and this unit never comes down the river road and makes an, uh, kind of an impact on the battlefield. So, but the important part when it comes to this is, or when it comes to Macon, is that Stoneman actually intended to occupy the city and liberate the prisoners and do damage to the railroad network. Um, the there is some damages he do, he does, um, but because of the ill-planned nature of his attack and his entire raid, he is very quickly um, captured, a little north of what is today Gray in Georgia and um, in Jones County, and <clears throat> thus ends this kind of really weird episode, but one that really posed a threat to make him because of the intent behind Stoneman's mm-hmm. um, goal here. It's just something you don't think. I mean, Macon, I'm sure, didn't feel safe knowing that Atlanta was threatened. They probably knew they were on the radar. But then I feel like, and it kind of leads into my next point, it drives home that the war is here. And, you know, Macon would be threatened during that march. And in any war, in any battle, it often because I want people to read the book, so I don't really want to go into too much what happens during the march because I want people to buy your book to read it. Right. <laughs> but what making so is going to be threatened during the march, and I always wonder because you know during the Revolutionary War here in Charleston, Charleston would be sieged by the British, mm-hmm. and we kind of know what happened a little bit to some of the civilians and the people that were here in the city during that time. Sure. Um, but it makes you curious to be to wonder about what happens to the people who are left in the city when an army's threatening, an enemy army is threatening. What what's going through the minds of those who evacuate the city, wondering what's you know happening um, to their homes because they have no idea. Do we know what life would be like in the city and maybe those who evacuated? How are they getting word what's happening? Are they uh, relying They're, on maybe perhaps the telegraph, the local yeah. paper? You definitely have that. Um, the Macon, it, it goes through a couple of different iterations during the war, and there's a couple of different papers actually in the city, but the Macon Daily Telegraph really kind of does a good job covering events. And you can really see in the course of um, ju- uh, like June, July, into August, September, and then Sherman's says March, through the sea and then really coming close to make and that that up and down and fear that you kind of you kind of sense in the in the articles of like after Stoneman comes through of kind of this prayer service that we got we need to do a day of thanksgiving here that we, we were spared the 
the occupation of U.S. fort by U.S. forces. Um, but the war really comes home on a number of occasions with the more the closer Sherman comes to Atlanta, and then afterwards, the more you see um, uh, individuals with wounds coming to the city that are being nursed back to health. Um, the town really becomes a hospital town for a while during the Atlanta campaign. And that really, I think, drives home to a lot of people this this concern that, you know, this this shred that was so far away at one point is coming closer to us. And you, you do see it um, eventually, too, that when when you get to Sherman and eventually Wilson, that people are scared of the, the coming of U.S. forces that they are trying to get out of town. Um, there's this one instance where people board this train north towards um, Barnesville and then Griffin eventually, mm. but they, they barely get to Barnesville because the people there say, no, 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 we heard rumors there's, there's raiders to the north of us, so you go back, um, go back to your city. Um, so I think a lot of times it's really, if you have the financial abilities, you're going to try and run, but um, this is not in the book. There's a lot of confusion done by Sherman himself of like, where are we actually going to strike? Um, what is the route we're going to take? I mean, there was there were some rumors that he was going to go to Columbus and then strike to the Gulf Coast. Man, <laughs> we know better today, but... Yeah. That's sort of the uncertainty. Which which of these industrial cities is he going to strike? I mean, President Lincoln. I I mean, my understanding is he didn't know for sure where Sherman was going to come out. He went into a hole in the South, and he didn't know where he was going to pop out at. Yeah, and I mean, in part, that's sort of what yeah. I think in his mind, he wanted to go to Savannah. But I mean, when you look at it, I mean, he Fort McAllister is a good distance south of Savannah, but that's where some of his forces start to pop out eventually. So um, it's a broad swath of land that he's covering as he advances to the south. And that makes it that much more difficult to kind of pin down, okay, where do we need to concentrate our forces then to stand potentially in his way? And unfortunately, Georgia's authorities, because we really have to say by this stage, Georgia's, it is Georgia that has to fight Sherman. Um, mm. They don't have a lot of troops available to them. Yeah. I mean, Governor Brown, I have that right, I believe. Sorry. Yeah. yeah he has the, I should know that being a native of Georgia, and there's so many governors <laughs> going through my hunt. How many Talmages did we have, by the way, in the 20th century? But anyway, um, Governor Brown you know, tries to call it the home guard, tries to get as many people as he can. Um, right to fight and it's just just relying on anyone you can and there's no one it's... right and that was something that i was thinking about this morning before as i was thinking about today's interviews that we really have to um we really have to be cautious in the way we think of some of these engagements that happened during sherman's march to the sea because in part you're looking at individuals that are too young for the draft or too old for the draft. I mean, we're talking about individuals here on the rebel side who are going to fight, who have no experience whatsoever. And they're going to go up against veterans who have been in, in the military fighting this conflict since, since Shiloh. They have seen the Vicksburg campaign. They have seen Chickamauga, Chattanooga in some cases. I mean, 
these guys have three years of battle hardening behind them. So it's 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 a if you think of it like a in a sports game analogy, it's a really unfair game yeah. that is being played. I mean, Chickamauga would harden anybody, and then yeah. Chatt- <laughs> Victory Chattanooga pushing down through Atlanta. I mean, you think about you know what you might see at Reseca, and then Kennesaw. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. there's defeat, victory, defeat, Atlanta. victory. It's you know that hardens you to think yeah. you are so close to victory, then you have a defeat. You know, at Chickamauga, a major defeat, and then a major yeah. victory. Um, yeah. And then you're also you're has your marching even you know when you get mar- when you march when you're marching past Atlanta, you know, towards noon, and you get encountered by you know Wheeler and his cavalry. And you're going right. to be harassed by Wheeler all the way, you know, almost all the way through Georgia. Um, yeah. That's such that's a, a huge story of it, too. But, you know, when we, I know your book focuses on Macon, but I've always thought when you get to Savannah, and what we were talking about just a little bit ago about, you know, the people's mental state, and you brought up a good point about, you know, people uh, in, in Macon seeing the wounded being brought in from Atlanta and Macon becoming basically a hospital town. I imagine that's probably, you know, I, well, it is happening in Savannah, seeing soldiers being brought in. Yeah. I always wondered if that's why Savannah, because, you know, growing up, of course, in the South, you had people who are kind of still fighting the war a little bit. So, mm-hmm. well, you know this, you live in Macon. So, um, <laughs> it's not as bad as it was in the 90s, but you still have some. Yeah. Uh, but... Savannah kind like, of gets wrapped in the town that gave up. I wonder true. if that's where they're like, we saw this. It's not worth it. Let's save the town. Yeah, I think it cuts two ways in many ways. Because in, in, blah. <laughs> It cuts two ways. Because in part, Savannah, after Fort Pulaski falls, um, which, by the way, is another book that really needs to be written. I have to think about that one at some point, I think. Mm. Um after Pulaski falls, what you what you see is that like the Confederate arsenal, armory, industrial facilities that were in Savannah now feel threatened. That it's just a question of time before the U.S. is going to push in there and capture Savannah. Yeah. So they relocated to Macon. <laughs> but then, um, on the opposite end, of course, that never happens, and Macon is the first one that actually then gets much more threatened. Um, so you, you kind of get that aspect here, which is kind of, yeah, Savannah is sort of the prize that you want, but at the same time, it's sort of like, as long as the port's covered and no ship can go in and out, we're good, you know? Yeah. That's the same thing with Charleston. They wanted to capture Charleston, but they were willing to wait till the end of the war to get it. Yeah, exactly. Because what? you know, what prizes that it was contained. There was no yeah. reason to, you know, put more effort into it than right. what they've had. They had it contained. Yeah. Well, I think that going back to the other points that you made that um, I found really interesting kind of in, in the writing of the book, looking through the official records and you had like for all, every unit has like this report of like what they did during the campaign, um, the, the march to the sea um, but there also was sort of the t- the, a timeline that they compiled. And it's like, this is sort of the part we don't think about. We think about things like Gettysburg or Chickamauga or the Atlanta, um, the three battles around Atlanta. But it's 
Kilpatrick's cavalry in the march to the sea fought almost daily skirmishes with Wheeler's cavalry. Mm. I mean, it's like, um, this is not kind of, we're just riding through the state. I mean, this is a very active campaigning that is still taking place. I mean, yeah, we're talking 20, 30 people involved in these small skirmishes, but it is still fighting. There's still people dying or getting wounded at least. Yeah, and it's not an easy march either. There's there's landmines. Yeah. I mean, it's really the first time you yeah. see it used on uh, uh, in this country. It's it's desperation. It's tools of desperation in yeah. war. Yeah, it it definitely has a a, a sense of that. Um, <clears throat> and you really see that kind of desperation or kind of I, I rather go with like giving up, giving up. When you get to like the last stage of it with regard to Macon and I mean, it's after Lee's army surrenders in Appomattox, but when General Wilson arrives in town and it's like the two previous times, it's like there was a defense, but there isn't much of a defense even being put up anymore Yeah. by, by that point. So it's like there is this kind of maybe you can say it's war weariness. Maybe it's just why keep going? Um, well, it's something we can understand now that, you know, with yeah. the coronavirus, if you think about it, because there's a weariness we have in this country now with that, too. You see that all mm-hmm. the time with the coronavirus. I mean, we've had, we're approaching a year now dealing with it. Sure, and you, yeah. you see people, you know, with the coronavirus weariness now, too. Yeah, yeah. there's a tiredness here. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of that, and with Wilson, I need to commend you on the book because you've done a great job bringing in all these different aspects with these calls and event, and event circumstances that lead to the events that occurred near Macon, such as with Wilson, you know, which is toward the end of the book. Now, I think, I think you say it in the introduction that you like to look at the big picture history. Right. Yes. But has working on a book like this helped you see how local history helps piece together that big picture? Well, <clears throat> I should probably rephrase phrase that a little bit that I like writing big picture history myself, but in that I always rely on the local, um, locally written material because it's, um, that's the material I pull in to kind of find the connections, find the relationships, um, kind of see similarities. Um, so I'm kind of like, I like to read books like my own because it really gives me the ability to kind of say, oh, I heard that before somewhere else and I can, can I, I like to bring things together. Yep. Um, but what I really enjoyed about re- writing this book was in part kind of having been in these locations like Griswold will, like um, Okmulgee where some of this fighting has taken place. Um, it, it kind of helped visualize what has taken place. It really forced me on some level of like, okay, where is what this person in their report describes? Where is this actually taking place? And it really kind of, when you look at the modern landscape, it's very difficult sometimes to kind of visualize some of this. And um, the other part that I really kind of started to realize was that the kind of the, the mythology that you have um, not necessarily intentional, but just kind of existing where some a person potentially sloppily said something and it just becomes this narrative like, 
I, I remember in one instance somebody's talking about like the 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 defenders in Stonemans's instance of Macon was drawing to kind of see redoubts that were existing. And it's like, no, 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 these redoubts are actually built after Stoneman comes through to defend the city in case this happens again. Wow. Um, so you have these these instances where um, <clears throat> people look at what is there today and think, oh, that was there when Stoneman fought. And it's like, no, there's actually transition here. There's actually work being done to defend the city better after the disastrous moments that Stoneman um, almost brought to the city. That's incredible. I love when stuff like that gets uncovered and gets corrected. Uh, wow, that's neat that you were able to do that and get that done. And you're so right about being on the actual battlefield, even though it's hard to see a lot of times because of changes, because even 20 years changes a landscape. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, you have places like, and of course, this isn't a commercial for them, but institutions like the American Battlefield Trust that helps right. to reclaim battlefields and helps to try to make it look like the maps did um, yeah. back at that time period. And it, if you're on a battlefield, it really helps you to understand what happened. You know, you, you know, to different even units, uh, you know, regiments, the way they moved, and it helps you understand how the battle happened the way it happened. Uh, yes. it's just so much more in depth and involved to get out there and to see it yourself. It's, it, you're absolutely sort of the, right. 100% on that. And it's sort of the sad thing because with Griswold will, we have small part of the battlefield at least is preserved and we have markers at least, um, Ogmolgi, I, I mean, personally, I think they're, the park could do a little bit more with regard to that Civil War site um, of theirs. Site with D, not with a T aspect mm. in this case. <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of do a little bit more talking about that military battle that took, or the two battles that took place on its land. But I think it's really sad that Wilson's raid and the arrival into Macon is so overlooked that there's hardly anything. Um, I was actually trying to kind of figure out when I talk about like bridges and locations, it's very difficult to even pinpoint exactly when they're talking about we're crossing this bridge near here, where that actually is um, because of the, um, in part, lack of maps that we have from the time and the changes that have taken place since in the hundred, almost 70 years since the war. And Wilson's sweep was huge too from Alabama. Yeah. All the way down through into you know through Georgia, uh, yeah, it, it's just it's overlooked, and that's he covered a lot of territory, and having yeah. to keep a lookout, he was worried about forest. Also, I mean, yeah, I mean you're looking, you know, a lot of people Tuscaloosa, you know, University of Alabama think about that, Montgomery, Columbus, Macon, yeah, it's a lot yeah. of area to cover. That, exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, it's, you're absolutely right. But it's, it's an incredible book. It's going to be available beginning uh, February 8th. So it's coming out really soon, uh, yep. 10 days from today. And you, people can actually go on and pre-order it now at ArcadiaPublishing.com. And on February 8th, it's going to be available wherever local books are sold. So it's, uh, it's close. Yeah. <laughs> it's real, man. It's, it's real. exciting. It it's is exciting. exciting. Well, hey, thanks for taking time and for uh, being on with me today. 
Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity. I just want to say thanks again to Nils, and thank you, the audience, for listening. The Civil War Battles of Macon will be available again everywhere on February 8th. But remember, you can go online to ArcadiaPublishing.com and go ahead and pre-order that book. And while you're there, why not enter in your zip code and see what other books we have available for your area. I want to thank, as always, my friends Jay and Bill's Unnamed Band Project for the show's theme song. You can check them out on Facebook or Instagram for searching their name, Jay and Bill's Unnamed Band Project. If you have questions or you feature episode ideas based on the books from Arcadia Publishing, you can reach me by email at arcadiaauthorconversations at gmail.com. I will talk with you again next week.